can you be gay and a Christian? I was at a Christian wedding. It was towards the end of the night where I decided to take a walk and I went to where the um, where the ceremony was held. And looking around and all the chairs are empty. The family that I would love to be there isn't there. The friends that I would love to be there isn't there. The man wasn't there. Um, the ring that I desperately wanted wasn't there. And I remember just crying out, what what the heck? Like, what is this mm. all for? Like, why? Well, why do I have to be gay? Well, what's up? Welcome to Uncomplicated Podcast. What's up? Good to be here. This is Paolo Errico, which I say with the most uh, borderline offensive Italian accent <laughs> I've ever tried in my life. You're doing great. I appreciate it. Huge Italian family. Yeah, so. Huge. Trying to, I don't know. Anyways, today we're we're going to be talking about a much, I think, needed conversation, mm. a conversation you're used to having. But the big the big question is, can you be gay and a Christian? Yeah. So yeah. we'd love to hear your story. I mean, can I talk about how we met, though, real yeah, quick? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I would love So that. we have a mutual friend yeah. uh, who pastors a church not too far from my church, and I was speaking there on a Sunday because yeah. instead of him speaking, I was going to speak. And at the end of my message— something unique happened. This church pastor who was there invited you up. Yeah. And and he, and he with tears in his eyes, he said, today we're saying goodbye to a beloved uh, member and leader in our community here of faith. And mm. there was this powerful moment because you were moving to San Diego. Yeah. And he felt it necessary to acknowledge that something of their spiritual family was going to be missing now. Yeah. And I was like, man, what a beautiful moment. And in that moment you shared your journey and testimony. And I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah. like how powerfully you articulated that so well, so much grace. And so then I like, for like a week, I was like, should I call this guy? Is that weird? Is that weird to just like, t Hey, I'm the guest speaker. Uh, you want to have coffee? Uh, well, I'm so glad I did. Cause we had a yeah. wonderful conversation and a great yeah. friendship has started and you've yeah. been just, you just been, just been terrific, you know? So, oh. I mean, I don't know. The more I talk, <clears throat> Paulo, the less you get to talk. So <laughs> take it away. Would you please be comfortable sharing your story? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. So my name is Paolo Enrico. Um, a little bit of backstory. My both my parents are from Italy. There we uh, go. Born and raised in Italy, and then came to the U.S. in the uh, late seventies. So, is Italian your first language? Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Italian was my first language. English was second. Um, but I always joke. Uh, my parents uh, wanted to show off how Italian they were by having seven kids. There we go. Yeah. So I'm one of seven kids. I'm the very last. Five boys, one girl. Um, sorry, six boys, one girl. And then um, they wanted to show how Catholic we were. And, uh, yeah, they gave us all Italian Catholic names. <laughs> and we're all named after saints. And There we go. Yeah, so um, pretty funny. But, yeah, my parents both immigrated here um, to the U.S. from Italy and just tried to live uh, as simple as possible being immigrants and um, so I'm the very last of all the kids. I'm lucky number seven. The baby of the family. The baby. Yeah. They tried really hard to get me. So <laughs> I like to remind my siblings of that. But, um, so yeah, growing up, there's this thing called the Italian machismo. Uh, so machismo sure. just means, uh, a person who, uh, is highly masculine and, um, uh, typically is the, the head of the house, uh, really a strong and mighty man. Oh, I married so, into a Hispanic family. So I you, you kind of get it. Bro. Yeah. 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 yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. I always, I'm, I'm recognizing how odd that is because a lot of the Italian culture is also very, um, uh, comfortable with femininity. Sure. And if you look at historically, a lot of the Italian architects and fashion designers, um, are, are gay. Yeah. And so it's this weird thing of like accepting, uh, gayness for beauty and then also just retracting, um, their acceptance. Yeah. Um, so it was really weird and it was really weird for me because I knew from a really young age that I was gay. Um, though I probably wouldn't use that term gay. Um, I knew maybe about six, uh, five or six that I was attracted to, to other boys, um, other boys in school or brothers, friends. And, um, that really started to, to, um, show a difference in, in the rest of my siblings and the rest of the boys at school. 
And yeah, it just wasn't, I wasn't like that. I wasn't like my siblings or I, I imagine five older brothers. Yeah. Yeah. All loved women had posters of girls on the walls, uh, wore flannel. Uh, <laughs> so they did, they did all the traditional male things and here I am, you know, I played soccer, but there's actually a picture of me, um, playing soccer at four and I'm, you know, I was picking up flowers and wow. chasing butterflies. And so, uh, you probably not celebrated in your house too much, not celebrated too much. No, not for my kicks at least. Um, but, but yeah, I grew up, um, knowing how different I was and hearing what people said about being gay within my family, um, was really hard and challenging and, um, led me to a lot of fear and a lot of shame. And so I knew from an early age that I needed to hide that. And so I went into hiding um, most of my life until like my early to mid twenties. Um, I tried dated dating girls, but it just wasn't working out. Um, I obviously I couldn't connect. I there was always a huge wall that girls would always say that they would bump into with me, and so so yeah, um, hiding was my safe place. Uh, the closet was my safe place for a really really long time. And then um, I uh, started experimenting with drugs and alcohol and um, I threw myself in a lot like the whole party scene uh, was big for me, um, but it added a lot of the substance abuse. Um, and through that time, uh, the more I used, the more I realized that uh, I was hiding and mm. I, I knew I was hiding, but I was reconciling those things. And didn't grow up a believer, so uh, there was no reason why I would have these any of these issues. I was just living my life. So you were your your family <clears throat> was Roman Catholic, yeah, by yeah, yeah. heritage, by more heritage, than yeah, by practice, correct, yeah, okay. yeah. We didn't grow up going to church. I'm I wasn't baptized. I'm the only one of my siblings not baptized. Um, so there's a lot of interesting dynamics in that. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I was really bullied within my 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 with my siblings i was mm. really bullied with my dad um because they could see this difference um and and yeah and then yeah in my mid 20s uh, again experimenting with drugs and realized that i was harming myself more by not being open and honest and so um i decided to come out in my mid 20s i'm 33 almost 34 now so i yeah it hasn't been too much um, time that I've actually been out maybe about eight years or so. Um, yeah, seven, uh, eight, nine years actually, but, um, it came out and how'd your family uh, respond to that? Yeah. Uh, so my brothers, so my six brothers, my five brothers, sorry. Um, five brothers, um, again, did not, I wanted to distance myself so much, especially wanting to come out um, but they actually took it really, really well. Some of the ones that really bullied me, like ended up apologizing. Wow. Um, yeah, I had a, a brother who was a believer before. Um, he still is now, but, uh, even as a believer in me coming out to him, there was a lot of disconnect, hmm. um, with he and I, and, um, he, I don't think he really knew what to do with the information that I was giving him. Um, but we worked through it, and then my dad, my dad would, took it really, really hard because, mm. again, the Italian machismo. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot of uh, him seeing that my brothers, my five older brothers, you know, being engaged or married or having girlfriends or dating women was, like, the, the sign of success for him. Yeah. And ha bearing children and all this stuff, and um, him even mentioning, like, you're, you're not that. Like, you're, <laughs> I'm having these five perfect boys and then there's you you got to be kidding me yeah so that was to the heart right there yeah huge huge i mean it, it just affirmed all the things that i grew up thinking that he thought of me you know yeah. and so that was a challenge i wanted to really walk away from the family um at that point and yeah, once I once I came out, I came out to all my friends all in the span of one week. Like I tore, <laughs> yeah, I ripped the bandaid off. You were you said twenty five when this happened? Yeah, about twenty four, twenty five. And you had just been just hardcore closeted, like nobody hardcore. knew. No one knew. Years. People would ask here and there, um, and guys would hit on me every once in a while. But I was just so wow, so fearful of it. Yeah, 
um, tried to date girls again and just was, I it was probably heartbreaking dating mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I started dating guys and, um, had a few boyfriends here and there, but ultimately like I was really chasing the experience and ended up in the hookup culture. Um, really, really promiscuous if I can be really honest and, yeah, of course. and vulnerable, but yeah, I led in a lot of promiscuity and, uh, just wanting to hook up and every single experience just needed to get better and better and I needed to top the next experience and maybe making up for lost time yeah a lot of it was just redeeming the years that I that I missed yeah um and so I did that for a few years and you know again had boyfriends some really really great guys um and it was through that process coming out and dating um I had a friend who we worked together and then we became really close I knew he was a Christian, but thought just Christians are really weird. Um, <laughs> growing up, I knew. Um, just to let you know, sorry to interrupt you. You know, I should have said this earlier. Like, sure. th- you know, this podcast is not yeah. designed for yeah. Christians. Yeah, you know, yeah, really, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping somebody is Googling or searching on YouTube's. YouTubes, YouTubes, yeah, yeah, all of them. YouTube's. That sounds like tubes. such a boomer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Searching on the YouTubes, but you know, can I be gay and a Christian? That's yeah. what the, the question I think I was coming in. So, yeah. like, as as you are vulnerable with your story, it's a gift right now. Thanks, so, man. So thanks. I appreciate that. And just in case you're listening, you know, if your experience has been that Christians were weird, yeah. um, you know, my experience is that <laughs> confirmed <laughs> <laughs> that they were weird before they met the Lord. Yes, <laughs> he did not make them weird. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I like that. Yeah, they were weird before they met the Lord. <laughs> um, but also my experiences of growing up uh, of Christians were just what I saw on the news and media. Um, yeah, like seeing the Westboro Baptist Church and oh, how right. they picket during parade marches or uh, any type of... Uh, the signs. Say yeah, God, God hates fags. Yeah. Um, those were really startling and hit really, really I deep bet. for me. Um, so you're thinking Christian, you're associating with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is what they believe. Um, so I don't want anything to do with Christians and I honestly might not want to do anything with, with God. Right. Um, if that's what God looks like. Right. And you know, um, they're supposed to be representatives. Like what the, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know? So yeah, even with my brother, that was a believer. I really kept him at arm's length. My friend, um, that I um, got to meet at work knowing he was a Christian. Um, we, he and I like really uh, grew a really strong bond like around hip hop music, around hip hop dance, around um, being in the minority culture. And so um, I also grew up with a lot of mainly Latino, Filipino and um, black friends and he was Filipino. So um, there was already a lot of familiarity um, to our friendship. Um, and he was straight, so there was nothing, um, anything else going on really than just, uh, than just a a platonic friendship. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, he walked, he walked with me throughout that whole process. And then there was a, there was a time where my, uh, my mom actually had a mild heart, heart attack and ended up in, um, a heart failure and she was in the hospital for a few weeks. And wow. that, that I think was uh, a huge wake up call to just what I was doing, the, the hooking up. And, um, I think I felt in, fell into a really deep, dark depression. Mm. Um, cause, cause yeah, the, the person that I love so much is now in the hospital and like, what, what do I do? And so I went to my friend, um, and he just he just prayed for me. He mm. checked up on me. He was really really sweet, really gentle, really caring. He was Christ like. Yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah, very. And so, um, I really trusted him with all the information wow. that I, you know, was carrying. And That's awesome. Yeah, and so um, he actually. So as we grew closer throughout that process. I knew he had the, these other groups of friends that I wasn't really, I didn't really know much of. And so he um, invited me and another friend to a birthday party at a friend's house. So we're like, oh, cool, house party. We're going to get drunk. We're going to, you know, party and, you know, maybe meet a few people. 
And um, as we're walking to the door, we're like, oh, we actually never asked how he knows these people. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's the pastor of my church. Stop. And it. we're like, <laughs> like we looked at each other and we're in such disbelief oh and gosh. fear. We're like, how how could you do this to us? Like we thought you loved us. Oh like we know what the church says, <laughs> like about me and and my friend who's a straight girl, um, but also not living for Jesus. And right, so, right, right. Um, we were just like you're like oh. feet away from the front door. Yeah, like yeah. ding dong. By the way, this is my pastor's house. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was. Did you bring the O'Doul's? Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, he was he was honest, and we were just like, shoot, this is not what we were anticipating. This is not it, and uh, I guess this is going to be a dry party and a dry night for us. Right. But we need to go party afterward. Okay. And you're going to be our designated driver. Because <laughs> um, make what a you deal did, before you go in. Yeah, yeah, you'll be the DD, <laughs> and then we'll do this for you though. And so we go in, and honestly, people were lovely. We awesome. got to meet the pastor of the church, his wife. Uh, we got to meet a few of the other leaders at the church. And they were just really down to earth. Um, there were drinks. No one was drinking heavily. Um, but, yeah, we just had a conversation around the, the fire pit and just got to know one another. They really led with a lot of just getting to know you questions. And, again, just really, uh, dare I say, uncomplicated. Yeah. Uh, so... So yeah, it was really cool, and you kind of come in with your guard up a little bit too. Totally, yeah. And then they were just real, and yeah, like jokingly, I remember saying like, "Okay, I'm gonna be the uh, the living sacrifice. <laughs> like <laughs> people are gonna burn me. That's awful." And you know, but you're thinking Westboro Christian uh, Baptist Church. So you're, you, you, yeah. Have you ever been to a Christian church before? No, never. Okay, so makes never. sense. Yeah. yeah, had no idea what Christians. Yeah, I was I was not uh, didn't know what grace was. Nothing like that. Mm. Um. So, yeah, it, it seemed like a cool party. People were really sweet. And, again, my friend was uh, just really nice. And I was like, okay, like, he was such a good friend throughout this whole process. I kind of want to repay him, you know, like, uh, transactional. And because he was there, I want to be there. And so I decided to go to church with him on a Sunday. Okay. Yeah. And um, the first, the very first preaching I ever walked in, um, was this uh, this man named Danny uh, in San Diego, and he um, he shared about um, family in the kingdom of God okay. and how there is honesty, there's uh, there's acceptance, and there's also truth in love. And um, again, I, I came from a family that was really honest with their views, but there wasn't any acceptance and there wasn't any love, mm. and so that was really new and something I'd never heard of. And it was also the first time that I heard God as a father mm. and unconditional loving uh, father. Sounds like a great sermon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It was. Yeah. He just was simple words of like, God loves you no matter where you were, no matter what you are doing. Like he still loves you. Wow. And he, yeah, he talked about um, Grace, and, you know, this whole time I thought Grace was a little girl's name, <laughs> not knowing that Grace is something you could actually accept and experience, and That's awesome. it was a thing. Um, so I remember just, like, I, w I was a very stoic person, not showing a lot of emotion, not crying ever, and I bawled. Wow. I bawled that day and the week after, like, just cried constantly, so much that I had, like, a fever like wow. things were being split open in me and I wow. wasn't sure what was happening. Didn't think I was going to go back, but, um, decided to go back <laughs> Wow! and kept going and just heard more about this word identity mm. and finding our identity in Christ, which was not something I'd ever thought of. Right. Um, and what was your identity <clears throat> at the time you think? Oh shoot. I would say, I mean, a lot of it was, Romantic relationships. Okay. Um, right. I, I grew up thinking that romantic relationships were going to be the thing that would kill loneliness. It would kill mm. um, uh, just this uh, self-hatred that I had for such a long time. I just needed to find that person. I think that romantic relationships are one of the biggest functional saviors. That oh, people totally. Look to. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. You know, this, In all this, cultures, really. This relationship with this guy or this girl or marriage is going to save me from loneliness yeah. or, 
a life by myself, you know? So your identity was in. Yeah. I would say the romantic relationships, having a boyfriend, um, it was in, it was in work. Like I was doing really well at a company that I worked for at the time. Um, and I was making really good money. I had really good clients. I, um, was being flown to different places, Vegas and, that's easy to find your identity in that. Oh, uh, huge, and what you right? Do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so finding my identity in friendships and family and money, all these things that I had never thought that I'm finding my worth in and mm. value in was uh, was being talked about. And the pastor was saying how he struggles with these things. Mm. And that, uh, I mean, I remember the first time my pastor shared that, um, he, he even struggles with like if there's if there's a, a beautiful woman, of course he's gonna have these temptations. I mean he's married to his wife and so he comes back. but when he shared that he struggles with um, lust is what I like heard as at the moment. Um, I was just like, oh shoot, he's gonna lose his job. <laughs> you know? so I was like I, I don't know much about church, but I know you don't do that in church. Uh, wow. You don't share what you're what you struggle with. It sounds like an awesome church (laughs) and a safe place. Hugely safe. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just continued to go back because it was real and it was honest. Um, I threw myself in a life group that we had. And again, I had, I was dating someone at the time. I had a boyfriend. And what's a life group? For our listeners that may not know what that mechanism yeah. is. Yeah, uh, a life group is... Mechanism. Uh, Who calls a life group a mechanism? mechanism? I'm sorry, that was the worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a life group is just um, uh, people coming together during midweek. Um, yeah. And it could look different for a lot of people. It could be they're talking about the sermon on a Sunday. It could be they're looking at scriptures together um, or going through a book together. But mainly it's the way the church did it was just doing life. Friends uh, and faith. Friends and yeah, 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 yeah. So just come eat, enjoy a meal with one another, get to know one another. And then let's actually talk about like where we're at in our life and what's, um, yeah, simple questions like what's on your mind? What's, uh, what's keeping you busy? Uh, what's keeping you distracted? What's mm. filling you up? Um, and then, yeah, and then talking about like, okay, what is this? omnipresent thing that we call as God, um, you know, or this taboo, uh, person that's up in the clouds. At least that was for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just a group of people usually. So you're going to life group every week, meeting with these Christian friends. Yeah. But Paulo, are you like kind of putting your foot in the water? Like you're, you haven't dedicated your life. Like you haven't like gotten baptized and been like all in. You're just kind of exploring, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just exploring, just going there for the fun, just going there for the meal. Um, and I was making relationships with some of the people in there. So I knew they were cool. They were sweet. Um, and uh, the friend that introduced me was also there. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Uh, excuse me. Um, and just see what's what this is about. And yeah, again, I, I was really open, really honest. Um, the only experiences I had of uh, Christian people, uh, how can I put this? Like... I was really, really sensitive to the red flags. Yeah. Just really waiting Guards for the ball. Up. Yeah, for the ball to drop. I was just thinking that you're saying that how much courage it must take for anybody who's gay to go to church, period. Oh, huge. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred especially with historically speaking, yeah. What the church has done. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um and so it wasn't that experience. Um, told them I was gay, told them I was still hooking up with guys, um, still had a boyfriend too. And so they they did pray for me, but they prayed that I'd find my identity as a son. They'd mm. pray that I um, just would know who I am um, in the image of God. And that wow. was, yeah, I was just like, whoa, I've never, again, I've never heard any of this. And um, especially seeing that I'm an image bearer of God um, because I was holding so much of the tension of what I've done compared to what like the Christian standard should be. Mm. Um, so I had all these mixed messages in my head uh, about what was happening. And um, yeah, I still, I kept going. I kept going because um, at that point I just couldn't deny that something was happening in my heart. Um, the money that was coming in didn't feel the same. The The work and my need uh, to be a hard worker wasn't the same. 
the relationship that I had. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So the, the boyfriend that I had, I mean, we were sexually active. Um, and through that time, I was just kind of sharing with him, um, like, ah, like I'm having a little bit of a, uh, like a struggle with our sexual intimacy. And I, I don't know, like, this is really hard, but I don't know if we should keep doing that. Um, like let's slow down a little bit and he, he didn't take it well. Mm. Um, and he eventually ended up, uh, breaking it off with me. Mm. And so, and he broke up with you as a direct result of you saying like, I'm processing some stuff and yeah. if we could just hold off on the physical for a minute. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. It, it took a little bit of time. Like it took a lot of repeated conversations, a lot of also inviting him to church and he just, he wouldn't come. Um, and, and as I was growing in like even money and all this other stuff and seeing who he wasn't and how now we're being challenged in what we value mm. was being different. I think the, the sex piece was probably the thing for him to be like, you know what, like you've changed. This is all, this is all wrong and I need to, I need to break it off. And you're not even identifying as a full no. Christian yet. No, a hundred percent. No, man. No. Yeah. I still had my walls up. Dude, God loves you. Oh, shoot. <laughs> shoot. He's just like fighting for you, huh? Man. Yeah. I, yeah. There's a lot that I can say just about the sexual experiences that I have had and how, how I've seen reconciliation in those pieces a hundred percent. But yeah, um, so broke it off with uh, with the guy, and then I was in this space where I'm like, dang, like I'm actually seeing that Jesus is is for me, and he's like really wanting me, and I, I'm like believing these things that I never thought were possible, and so I was like, okay, I think I want to commit my life to Christ, and I was like starting to do my homework on like being gay and, and being Christian, and so these random things like popped up. A lot of it, though, in the media was you cannot be gay and be a Christian. A lot of it was um, you need to pray the gay away or um, just not identify. Like you just don't tell anyone that you're gay mm -hmm. um, and, and God will, will fix that. Mm. Um, I heard a lot of like terms like struggling with same-sex attraction. Also, same-sex attraction, the, the, the phrase same-sex attraction I never heard of before until I was in Christian spaces. Mm -hmm. um, but I think hearing it for the first time and seeing like, oh, this is kind of taboo. This, there's not a lot of information, not a lot of resources. And the resources that are there don't fit what I'm experiencing. And so I met with my pastor and uh, shared with him that Jesus is, is moving in my heart. And I just don't know where that lands me with my sexual orientation. And so he was really honest. He was really thankful um, that I was willing to, to talk to him about it. And, but he was just like, um, this is really hard to say as a straight person and as a straight pastor, but like, this is where we stand when it comes to being gay and being a Christian is that we do believe um, in a traditional biblical sexual ethic of like marriage is between a man and a woman and sex was made between a man and a woman. And he, I mean, he was really grieved. Like I could see tears in his eyes. Um, and he's like, how long had you known him at that point? <clears throat> uh, five months, five months. It was a journey. Yeah. 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 Five yeah. months. But I mean, I'd heard him speaking and he was really honest and really vulnerable. Um, with so you're own. having lunch with them, basically. Yeah. You're like, it's been five months. Yeah, about. Yeah. I think I'm ready to just. Yeah, to to put this Jesus guy, <laughs> to to yeah, to follow this this Jesus guy. And um, he just has tears in his eyes, and he's like, Yeah, he's like, I I really want you to consider what celibacy and singleness could look like for you. Wow. We we don't believe that God. Um, we we don't pray for orientation change that you would be straight. That's not the hope. Um the hope is that you would be a follower and that you'd let the Holy spirit work in you. And, um, so he said to pray for what now? Uh, just pray that God would, uh, just work in my heart of like celibacy and singleness, like celibacy is this and, and singleness. singleness. Yeah. Like 
Just consider it. When you heard the word celibacy, I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> that <laughs> it's not a word that people use a lot, no, to be honest. I mean, no. I can't think of any time I ever hear that word other than in a Christian circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What no, does I, the word celibacy mean? Celibacy oh. is someone that, um, someone that is choosing um, or living in a way that they're just not, excuse me, they're, they're not having sex. Um, so they're abstaining from sexual, excuse me, they're abstaining from sexual contact or any sexual um, experiences. Uh, so celibacy is, which is the, I mean, if I'm thinking of somebody who's not a Christian, who's been told their whole life that their sexuality mm-hmm. is, you know, to say no to that or to yeah. go celibate, that's like, uh, that's like a, a a death uh, yeah. in a way, right? It feels like a, yeah, especially the word singleness. Yeah. Like that often feels like a death sentence to anyone. It's true. You know? It's um, true. Because our culture has made marriage like the prize. Yeah. The yeah, Bible yeah, yeah. doesn't make marriage the prize. No, it doesn't. But it, but I mean, Jesus himself was like, you, some of you should consider being single. Yeah. And Jesus said that. Yeah. You know, Paul says that too, you know, like some of you should consider, you know, for some people he says singleness is a gift. He even goes so far to say that. Yeah. But we grew up in a world where that's the goal, you know, especially totally. like the American dream. You know, oh, it's like huge. Get yeah. married and yeah. then you've achieved something. You have the kids, you have the house. Yeah. Like that's success, right? Yeah, and totally. for a man to hear from his pastor, I want you to pray about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Celibacy. Yeah. And choosing singleness on yeah. purpose. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, on all honesty, I hated him. <laughs> yeah. I hated them. I, I hated him after that conversation. I was just like, yeah, you, you have the wrong person. Um, like I, number one, I feel like I'm a good person. Mm. I deserve, um, I deserve a spouse. Mm. I deserve the kids mm. and I should have whatever I want. And, and then obviously just looking at my, my history of, um, being in the closet for such a long time and now, living openly and and having my sexual experiences and having boyfriends <clears throat> having boyfriends that were amazing um and then coming to know Jesus and uh wanting to know more about Jesus and then being told oh like let's really consider celibacy and singleness like it, it just it felt it felt like um again like identity yeah. You know, because in your mind, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Yeah. You're imagining a future with a spouse. Totally. You're thinking I'm going to meet the man of my dreams. A Christian guy. Yeah. Yeah. You're aiming for monogamy. It's not like you're looking just being hooking up the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, were yeah. looking for just like a single straight man would be looking for a spouse. Totally. So you would marry Christian guy, have the family. Yeah. And then he's like, well, yeah. Well, what we all want, what we all naturally desire is correct. to have someone companionship yeah companionship companionship to not be alone intimacy yeah totally so it's it's natural to want those things but when that is your optimal future in your mind when you're thinking this is my target yeah you're like that's a a level of faith that totally how many people could ever have many people choose that choose jesus over yeah a future like that's just remarkable yeah yeah, totally. And so, um, yeah, I walked away from that conversation just really upset and just really, I, I think what was beautiful though, is that my pastor continued to walk with me. Mm. It, he wasn't just, Hey, this is it. And then you go figure it out on your own. He helped me gather resources. He also really helped me look at scripture. And so I think after that conversation, I was like, okay, I still know that I want Jesus because nothing else tastes the same. Okay. Um, and I, I still want to put my life in, in Jesus. And if God really says who he is, um, I kind of want to give him the, you know, I want to see if he's, if he's worth it. If he, why not go worthy. the, the affirming route? Why not go try to find, <laughs> you know, some translation of some word? I and mean, there's a whole camp of Christians that oh, would totally. just take you in and say, yeah, this translation is wrong. And this biblical word means this. And yeah, we've, we've outgrown that archaic thinking, you yeah. know, 
Yeah. And how did you process all that? It, it couldn't have happened overnight. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. So I gave God a year to really prove himself worthy of, my, <laughs> of my singleness and celibacy. I don't know if you guys have ever done that out there. Like give God a year to show himself worthy. Um, it's a good test. I did it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not on your level, but I said, fine, I'll go to Bible college for one year. Yeah. I see said, what but, you I, do. but I said, I won't be any friends with any Christians. That's why I told us I'll go one year. I'll oh, go to my man. classes. I'll follow you. But Shoot. you really gave him a one year. You're like a 12 month. Yeah. What 12 were the conditions? Month? Yeah, I was like, okay, I won't look at a boy. I won't talk to a guy. Um, I just really want you to use this time, like speak to me one-on-one mm. and um, let me continue to, to be in the community and I'll be really honest. And again, I, I wish I could say that like after being saved and being baptized that like it was uh, like, you know, walking through clouds and picking up poppies and all this <laughs> stuff. It was rough. I spent tons of sleepless nights. It got harder. Got real hard. Yeah, yeah. a lot of spiritual warfare. Yeah. So just a lot of tears, a lot of um, anger. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was really, really hard. And, and throughout that process, it was about nine months after, where um, still dealing with a lot of the lot of this ache Mm -hmm. knowing like okay i have a few more months Mm. um i was at a christian wedding and um it was at the end of the night and i decided not to drink um because i wanted to be sober you know i wanted to be available and all that stuff but it was towards the end of the night where i decided to take a walk and i went to where the um where the ceremony was held where the altar is you know you walk down the the aisle and all all the chairs i'm just i'm just there and looking around and all the chairs are empty. The family that I would love to be there isn't there. The friends that I would love to be there isn't there. The man wasn't there. Um, the ring that I desperately wanted wasn't there. The commitment that I was willing to take wasn't mm. there. And I remember just crying out. Mm. Like it was one of those moments where I had wrestled with God for so much, such a long time. And such a deep wrestle. Like I got down to the ground with him and mm. wrestled deeply with him. Um, and it was just a a moment of like, just calling out and just being like, what, what the heck? Like, what is this Mm. all for? Like, why? Um, and just, I remember like, feel like audibly hearing God say, like, as I was saying, like, God, I want the ring and feeling like I could audibly hear him say like the, the ring that you desire, I gave to you in my blood. And Yeah, and I was just, like, continuing to just uh, allow that to sink in. And then I was just like, well, why do I have to be gay? Like, why this? And just feeling like he was really saying, like, like, what makes you think this is for you? Like, that my sexual orientation was just for me. I I have chills just hearing you say that story right now. Ah, man, it, like, is one of those things that is always in the back of my mind. That was, Mm -hmm. like, five years ago. So I gave my life to Christ about six years ago, Mm. um, almost six years. And then that was the day that I vowed to singleness and celibacy. Mm. Um, And I remember those words like vividly. Um, That was that was my experience of like God and how he was showing himself to me and uh, what he was wanting to commit to Mm. uh, for me um, with his own body. You know, what do you think that? What do you think that means to the listener? You hear audible or borderline audible, like this really strong communication or revelation from God that's undeniable. And he says, the ring that you are looking for, what was that again? I I gave to you in my blood. I gave to you in my blood. What what does that mean? Uh, I think for me it means the the significance that I had placed on on the ring being on my finger was life or death. But actually, like, Jesus experienced life and death mm-hmm. and brings us into life. And so here I was, I was putting such significance into this, um, this partner, this marriage, which I think we all do. Anyone who's also married can say they're honest, that they they put a lot of identity into into spouse and who they are in as a spouse. And so I think for me, it was really Jesus wanting to show me what he knowing who I am was willing to commit to like in all my, 
all my sinfulness, on my all my ugliness. Like he was, he would be willing to die for my sake till death do us part. Yeah, yeah. That's what vows would be said at that altar. Yeah, with the ring. Yeah, yeah. Till death do us part. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and just yeah, uh, wrecked me. Like cried uncontrollably. Like had no idea what was happening, but I knew that I wanted to commit to that. Um, you so you're sensing <clears throat> this, oh man, just a closeness with God at that moment. Yeah, His vow to you as much as yeah. your vow to Him, and then He says, "What makes you think this is just for you?" Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, I think the um, I have an idea for me, <laughs> but what did that mean to you in that moment? I I think because I was the only um, for a long time. At the church, I was I was the only gay person who was really um, navigating, or at least openly gay person who was navigating faith. Um, so, I I think I just kept on. I would say maybe my selfishness, like everything is about me. Like God needs to do things in me. It was this is about me. My sexuality is about me, um, and. I think just knowing how the the gospel really levels the playing field and that the gospel is for all people and the gospel was meant to be shared. Like um, me being a representation of being gay and being a believer wasn't just for me, um, mm. that he was calling me to a bigger purpose. At the time, I had no idea what that meant because, um, again, I had just a really low view or a really boxed-in view of what God was doing in my life. Um so when he said, like, what makes you think this is for you or ask that, I was just like, oh, shoot, like you, do you have anything more than, than mm. just singleness? Like you actually have stuff? Because um, singleness, I always just think of like me in a shack, um, yeah. like, you know, kind of somewhere in an RV, yeah. um, alone and That's desolate. Awful. And awful. yeah. And so. Yet Jesus, the most influential person who's ever hit the planet, yeah, was yeah, single. Yeah, was single. Yeah, and look at what he's done. <laughs> the, who's given more love? Yeah, yeah. Who's changed more lives? Oh, huge, yeah. Than single, Jesus. Yeah. 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 So so you have that moment yeah. at a wedding. Yeah. You know, in the scriptures, the illustration is that Jesus is the groom mm-hmm. and the church, those of us that have been saved by him, that have chosen him back, are his bride, right? Mm-hmm. And that's an illustration from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. In fact, technically, honeymoon is, you know, is heaven, really, yeah. in many ways. Yeah. And so, you know, y- you must have a new future in mind. Yeah, right? Totally. You traded in your old future that you thought was with another man and yeah. with the family and the kids that was here on earth. So there's got to be a hope now yeah. because we have to have hope the, the gospel totally. is good news yeah not just about what christ has done for us but the the <clears throat> things that that where, where he is welcoming us into the future yeah. as well yeah so what is your hope now yeah so i think since then um again i would love to say that it was butterflies and and daisies but it wasn't it, it you know the interesting thing about making commitments is like things will come up in your life. And I feel like men came out of the woodworks and were suddenly yeah. reinterested in, in my life, mm. um, which was hard. But um, I think I, I've been able to really share in different platforms uh, for the past five years. Uh, Preston Sprinkle, I, I've shared at a few of his conferences. Um, I've preached at different churches. I've shared my story at different um, events. Um and have really experienced more more than just the thing about like me being a gay guy who had a lot of sex and then hasn't. Mm-hmm. It's been this the I think the story that's really been told is like I was a hidden person mm. and like God has really restored a lot of those things in me to mm. to make me more vulnerable and honest. And that has that has inspired a lot more people in their own lives, whether straight or gay, um, to walk in the same way. I think one of the craziest things that I always experience when speaking at conferences is I have people who will come up to me and share, you know, I had a cousin that was gay or had an uncle that was gay or had a friend in middle school that was gay. 
and more than uh, more often than not, it's always been that they know someone that has taken their life mm-hmm. um, because they're gay and because they were not accepted. Mm-hmm. So, over anything that I share, it's the I f- I hope that the most important thing is that um, God is yearning to accept all his children that he wants his children. And I think my hope is that like my life really does show that mm-hmm. um, and that there's purpose behind. I, I know that I'm walking in suffering, like to say no to a husband every day is really, really difficult. Mm. Even saying no to um, sex is really difficult. Mm. Um, I am deliberately walking in the way of suffering the way Christ did. Yeah. You know, Christ knew Christ had a mission and his main mission was to get to the cross. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I could say, okay, I I could live um, with a a gay affirming uh, theology, but I think looking at Jesus and how he suffered, um, though though our life as Christians isn't just about suffering, but it is walking in Christ's suffering as he suffered for us that we get to um, walk in it. And uh, I don't say that plainly. Obviously, I've done a lot of work. I have a really good therapist, um, who has walked me through a lot of, of stuff. Um, and I have a really good community that has walked me through a lot too. Um, I saw that community that day that yeah. you said goodbye and, you know, it's yeah. interesting talking to your pastor, you know, talking about, cause you're talking about how God doesn't waste pain. Yeah. And you, you know, you've shared with me the pain of loneliness, Yeah, but even, you can be lonely no matter what your arrangement is in life. I mean, there's a lot of lonely married people out totally. there. I mean, yeah. it's devastatingly lonely to be sleeping in the same bed with somebody that you don't know or who refuses to yeah. be intimate or refuses to let you in. And there's just this daily rejection yeah. that's possible. And it's not the same loneliness as somebody sure. uh, in, in in the lifestyle that you've chosen now. But I can I, I he told me on different occasions that you've been such a ally <laughs> and uh, in the church with yeah. marriages, like being able to, to, to just come alongside marriages and, yeah. and, and other, other people that I, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm not going to let, I've gone through the loneliness thing. Yeah. And I'm, and I can, I'm here to tell you that there's, there's something on the other side there. There's more yeah. of God. And, you know, I, I, I know that, um, we can accidentally look at the life that we live right now, Paulo, as like the end of it, you know, yeah. like we're, this is, this is the end of life, you know, but the truth yeah. is, is that me and you are going to know each other for eternity. Yeah. And there's more beyond this. And, and even like what you said about Jesus heading toward the cross, there was more beyond the cross. Totally. That yeah. was his earthly, you know, journey there. But, you know, <clears throat> this idea of the pursuit of happiness and happiness yeah. being the goal, I mean, shoot, like, look at any Instagram influencers profile bio. It's about being happy and spreading happiness. Would you be able to say though, that in a lifestyle where you're choosing suffering because you're denying yourself, you're choosing celibacy, you're choosing singleness. Would you, are you able to say with, with, you know, I wouldn't expect anything less than integrity, but just say like, are you happy? Do you have joy? Yeah, I think I do experience joy. Um, I think, Happy as in, gosh, even just in my queerness and how I experience being a gay man in this world, I would say, I would say, yeah, I, happiness has come from the comfort that I just feel of who I am and who I was also made to be. Mm. Um, It doesn't come without its challenges. Uh, It doesn't come without um, just grief that happens in life. Um, but I will say that, like, I think this past year alone, um, I think Jesus has really reshaped how I view happiness. Mm. Um, I think a lot of it just came from uh, probably a superficial happiness. Like, oh, I just need to, if I have the, these things that just keep me happy. Or, Happenstance. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, but I think Jesus has really shown me, like, what choosing his joy mm. looks like. And I think it's, it's a part of the purpose that I hope to, to walk in and in, in my obedience, uh, not just with sex and sexuality, but 
in, in all areas of my life. Like, and he's brought other gay <clears throat> brothers in your life. That oh, totally. Yeah. Their, their, their orientation may naturally be to be attracted to other men, but they're making the same hard choices you are. Yeah. And you've found a brotherhood in those guys. Right. Yeah. Which probably helps with the loneliness. Uh, huge, I imagine brings huge. a strength and yeah. a support yeah. and a church, you know, around you. Yeah. So, um, I, sp- I've spoken at a lot of conferences, have met a lot of people who are, um, uh, identifying as gay or same-sex attracted or whatever it is on the LGBTQ um, line. Um, and it was always hard because I would find out they were gay later on and then I found out that they're not open or there was some like weird awkwardness uh, to their interaction with me. But yeah, I had a friend, um, well, I met someone in early 2020 uh, when I spoke at a Preston Sprinkle conference who came up to me and was just like, um, Hey, I'm also gay. I'm also celibate, and I'm uh, an executive pastor at this church. Can we be friends? Yeah. And I was just like, "Oh shoot, someone who's really honest." Did you just say a gay pastor? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And celibate. Yeah. I'm just like, ugh, like, say those words. And I again. know that church. That's in a conservative <laughs> church. That's a very Bible yeah. teaching church. Yeah, yeah. That would make room in their community to say, "Hey, this this man may be." Uh, his default may be attracted to other men, but he's choosing something that takes more faith than 99% of the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And him having his own journey with sexual orientation and and openness. And so, um, yeah, we exchanged contact info and then obviously pandemic and then, but we kept in contact a lot throughout that process. And um, there's this, um, in Nashville, there's something called the Nashville Family of Brothers, uh, Peter Volk, kind of dreamt it up um he also uh, leads the organization called equip which does a lot for churches in creating a blueprint on the conversation of sexuality i actually um, visited that website recently what is the domain do you know um, i don't know you yeah. could find them on instagram you google equip. your name it comes up oh sweet yeah. yeah 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 so equip um you can look them up they have a lot of yeah they, they have a lot of information uh, really helpful stuff but so Peter Volk created this thing called the Nashville Family of Brothers where there's men who either identify as gay or um, queer or bi or unsure um, where they're either valid to singleness or celibacy or want to see what commitment in a brotherhood looks like, uh, live in a house. And there's a, a period of discernment of um, is God calling them to this? Do they enjoy each other? Can they do this together? And so... Uh, Greg and I were really uh, inspired by that. Greg initially was really inspired by that. And he and I talked about it a lot. And so I've always been really slow to process things. I like need to take baby steps. Yeah. Um, And so it was in end of 2020, early 2021, uh, like early January, where I was just like, okay, yeah, let's let's live together. Um, let's see if God is calling us to do family of brothers. Let's discern this, but it really practically, let's see if we actually like each other. Yeah. Let's see if we can do this together. It's is not, it just no. doesn't matter your sexual yeah. orientation. Some people are just not good oh, roommates. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, Greg is a huge people person. He loves, um, making anyone comfortable yeah. and you please use our space. And I'm just like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about the cleanliness of the space, you know? Um, so both things are good. It's just a lot of times, uh, we've, we've had to learn how to communicate, um, which has, uh, which has been a, a huge blessing for me. Because but what I'm hearing from you both, yeah, what's yeah, yeah. kind of being pioneered in San Diego, what you're learning from Nashville is like yeah. that there are, you're not on your own out there. No. I mean, if you no. are gay and you're trying to follow Jesus yeah. and you're trying to live at a sexual, uh, excuse me, a traditional, uh, ethic. Yeah. Uh, regarding sexuality yeah um you know that is a journey that by yourself i could imagine would be torturous you need some people around you yeah the same advice that we give to anybody yeah uh you know don't do life alone yeah you can get through just about anything if you have the right people around you whether you're gay or straight or however you identify you doing things on your own is going to be tough gonna be tough and so man what would you say let me close with a couple questions one one to all my all my friends and family who are gay that feel like the only way to live is to find a church 
that affirms their choice for, you know, that the Bible does indeed endorse gay marriage or what that seems to be the predominant, that's the narrative. It's like you sure. either find a church like that or you don't belong. Yeah. So what, what, what do you tell somebody who's stumbled onto this YouTube video, or this podcast and they're like, yeah. man, I can't deny that this is like how I've always been. And yet I also can't deny that I would do anything for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I think firstly, you know, we do, I do have friends that are, um, that are affirming in their, um, marriage theology and I think the thing that we always agree on when searching for a church, being a gay person, is um, what is their biblical theology? Like, are they Bible-based? Are they talking about um, conviction? Are they talking about the gospel? Are they um, are they talking about what it looks like to actually follow Jesus mm. in suffering? Mm. And that being a Christian doesn't just mean you get an, a ticket to heaven. Mm-hmm. It, it means, like, you actually get to live out in a way that's pleasing to Jesus mm. and um, my heart lot, belongs to God. My time belongs to God. My yeah. money belongs to God. Yeah. My sexuality belongs to God. Yeah. Yeah. My body well, like belongs to God. A true, yeah. Like integrity, like who you are yeah. outside inside well the home is who you are outside of the home um, and in all the ways of life. Um, so yeah, I would, I would uh, tell that person to, to, yeah, do, do your homework, really get to know the people who are there Um yeah. Does it in any way, is it hard for you when uh, Christians who are gay are contending like, no, the Bible has, this is not, the Bible actually does endorse this and, and it is okay to be, uh, and it, to, to pursue a monogamous covenant relationship with the same sex. And they're yeah. kind of contending like everybody else has gotten it wrong for all these thousands of years. Yeah. Do you find it? hard is that i would imagine that's gonna be hard for you when you're choosing totally. the exact opposite yeah 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 it is hard it is hard because uh i want to believe those things sure. i deeply deeply want to believe that god would bless a same-sex marriage for me um number one i have to go back to like what i actually heard and what i experienced with god yeah, that that moment of grace is yeah pretty significant yeah i that is my like reminder of who who i am and who i'm called to be and then second, I think um, <clears throat> I would say, can you repeat the question, actually? I was just trying to put myself in your shoes, just yeah. thinking about how you're over here clearly saying, I know I'm choosing the harder path. Yeah. But there's some people who would say, hey, you don't have to choose that path and you can yeah. still be a Christian. Yeah. I think the the way I'm living, which is... Um, celibate single life is the most is is the life that mimics most of jesus right and which we're all called to we're all called to mimic the life of jesus whether you're straight or gay or wherever however you identify um and it's we're called to walk in the way of suffering um not in the way of comfort and you get what you want and privilege Mm -hmm. um so that's for all christians so i think I, I am actively walking in suffering. Like I know that really, really yeah. well. And it's not, yeah, I can't say it's easy in any way. I was having uh, lunch with a gay friend recently who mm-hmm. uh, was married and this gay friend was there with their spouse and they looked at me and they said, well, what would you have me do? Mm-hmm. Be single the rest of my life? And like, you know, with tears in my eyes, I was like, that's what Jesus did. Yeah. And... As um, as a follower of Jesus, as a leader, I don't want to hold anybody to a standard other than what they've committed to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna judge somebody who's not a Christian for not obeying my father. Totally. They don't live in my father's house. That's yeah. not their father. Yeah. Right. Once we become Christians and we're brothers, uh, there becomes an opportunity with the right if it's a two way street, yeah. you know, the right conversations where it's like, I've had people tell me when I first came to Christ, like justice, like let's live by a higher standard, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, you're right. I should live by a higher standard, you know? But those conversations, especially regarding sexuality or, 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 or orientation. I mean, that's a, that's a personal conversation. Like yeah. I can look at, um, 
a man and a woman who are living together, yeah. right, Paulo? And I can yeah. be like, hey, uh, if I'm going to do your pre-marriage counseling and I'm going to officiate your wedding, show me that God's really first in this relationship and don't sleep with each other. Show yeah. me that you can do that. It would be stronger for you guys to not sleep with each other uh, and then and then repent of sexual yeah. sin and then get married rather than live together. That's, that's not God's way. If, when I, if I were to say that the wrong way, to my gay friends, they wouldn't yeah. hear stop having sex. They would hear stop being you. Stop being you. Yeah. For the person that's tuning in right now and they're yeah. like, I I'm looking for a hope, you know? And they maybe they they identify with your story a little bit. Yeah. What would you say? You can even look at this camera right here like you're talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I would say um number one, Please, please do the work. Um, mm. Really look at scripture. Really allow it to, to speak to your heart. Um, there are a ton of resources out there that I would love, um, if justice allows it, I would love to just put out there for you guys. Yeah. Books and other videos that I highly encourage. Um, but also, like, what does what is the gospel calling you to? Like, if mm. Jesus truly died for you, he gave his whole life, his whole well-being and he stood on the cross for you um for your freedom like what does walking in freedom look like for you mm. um and and how is he calling you out of that mm. dude you you my friend that's such <laughs> a blessing in my life Thanks, man. and anybody who's tuning in and the description on youtube i don't know how we'll do it on spotify or whatever <laughs> we'll put these resources hey you're yeah. loved god loves you yeah. he knew you're you gonna watch this video he knew you were gonna meet paulo and uh just where you are he wants to meet you and I, my prayer is that he speaks to you, not just through the scriptures, but personally, the way that Paulo describes that, that significant monumental day yeah. where you were actually able to say, okay, I give you my life. Mm. You're the man. Thanks, I love man. you.